Spotify. Hello. Thank you for choosing the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist Podcast. Without further delay, here is your host, Jordan Maywood. Hello! Welcome to the Libricube. My name is Jordan Maywood, and I am the Lackadaisical Libricubicularist. Today, my friends, it's TV Tuesday. Move over, Tuesday! It's TV Tuesday. Actually, don't move totally out of the way. Just uh, slightly move over to fit in TV. Yeah, yeah, do that. Remember, I don't know if this was just me, and I don't remember saying this in a long time. When you wanted someone to move over, you'd say, shove a butt. Shove a butt. Yeah, that was a thing at one point. That's a 90s thing, if I do recall. (sighs) Something I like to say at the top of every show is that there will be spoilers. Folks, please, I have an abundance of heed with regard to these spoiler warnings, so take as much as you like. Another thing I like to say is that if you like what you hear, the only payment I ask is a million dollars. (laughs) No, that is ridiculous. The only payment I ask is perhaps you pass the podcast on to a friend, perhaps... You rate, comment, and subscribe in iTunes, as that is what helps others find the podcast. That will, of course, take us into our last piece of podcast-related business, which is today's sponsor, which is... It's two witches. Morgan and Dumphy Family Psychiatry and Homicide Rehab. Once again, today's sponsor is the Morgan and Dumphy Family Psychiatry and Homicide Rehab Center. Thank you to them. Very, very much appreciated. That will, of course, take us into our first item. Uh, however, I just remembered one other uh, 90s thing that I don't know why. Oh, yeah, because the missus and I said this one last night. Remember when someone used to uh, ask you what time it was and then if you didn't have a watch on? you'd look at your wrist and say it's one hair past a freckle. One hair past a freckle. Because you're looking at your wrist and there's hair and maybe a freckle there. But no watch. (laughs) Oh boy, we had a lot of fun in the 90s, I tell you. A lot of fun. Anyways, television show the first is Dexter Season 7, Episode 1. I have brought back Episode 1 and 2. As uh, I seem to kind of like that formula on TV Tuesdays, the missus and I are watching Dexter, and uh, I like bringing back at least the first two episodes to try to uh, maybe pinpoint a gist of what the season's going to be, maybe throw out the odd prediction, uh, that kind of vibe. What do you think? Does it work? Is it a horrible idea? Is it the greatest idea? Is it the greatest thing since sliced bread? Sliced bread? Normal bread? Pretty goddamn horrible when you think about it. Sliced bread? Just speechless on its awesomeness. Now, if you are not familiar with what happened in the previous season, it ended with Deborah, who is Dexter's sister, witnessing Dexter kill a guy. 
it was bound to happen eventually. That was a prediction I made sort of early on, that eventually other people in Dexter's life are going to find out about this, assuming it would be the sister first, and then probably as the series goes on, I bet others sort of join the club of knowing this fact. I don't know. Possible. Now, somehow, some way, initially, Dexter was able to sort of pull it off that this was a one-time thing. He just sort of lost his shit because this particular person he murdered um, was bad and things. I don't know. It was a very loose, loose excuse, and that rhymes, and you know it rhymes. Deborah bought it seemingly at first, bought it even to the point where she helped sort of dispose of the evidence by burning a church to the ground, as you do. When you love your uh, adoptive brother and don't want him to spend his the remainder of his years in jail, or since this is in Florida, on death row. Dead man walking. So this, uh, despite the fact that she sort of bought it um, initially, she things are not sitting right with her. One thing I will say about the character of Deborah is she's a very, very good detective. She's very good at detecting things. Like, uh, like freakishly good at detective work. So she digs little things sort of niggle at her, I believe is the term. And eventually she's like, well, fuck it, I'm going to Dexter's house and having a look around. She basically goes and tears his house to shit and finds his blood slides. Oh, maybe his blood slides, which again, if you are unfamiliar with the show, uh, every time he kills someone, he will cut their cheek and put a little drop of their blood on a blood slide, a blood slide that you would, you know, look at under a microscope and puts it in this little tray that he hides in his air conditioning units, which I never thought was a really good, uh, a really good spot to hide it, especially the fact that it didn't need tools to take off the covering and you could just open it and, oh, there's a friggin' whole bunch of blood slides of people I murdered. I didn't like it. Deborah also found his roll of knives, which is basically a series of knives that roll up into this neat carrying little package, which every good serial killer needs. Uh, and that's how that episode ended with, are you a serial killer? And Dexter saying, yes, you got me. <laughs> that, uh, I just realized, if he had a set it like that, I would have lost my shit with laughter and awe. Just <laughs> Deborah crying, very, very emotional. Are, are you a sec- serial killer, Dexter? And Dexter just going, shrugging his shoulders and saying, Yeah, you caught me. <laughs> uh, good stuff. This episode, episode one, also set up what I like to call the uber bad guy. Dexter seems to quite often follow a formula of having one uh, season super bad guy. There might be in an individual episode, uh, uh, an episode bad guy, a bad guy who's only a bad guy for that particular episode, but then there's the sort of overreaching, interconnecting between all episodes bad guy. Uh, this came about, and I think I'm going to kind of combine what I'm going to say with the next episode. Uh, Detective Mike Anderson was shot he, I, I was actually quite surprised that this character got shot. Uh, I thought 
that uh, this guy and Deborah were going to have a sort of romantic relationship. But, you know what could have been a clue that he was no longer safe, was that Deborah, through working with her psychiatrist, has come to the realization that she, uh, I do believe, loves Dexter. And I don't mean brotherly, sisterly kind of love. I mean um, incestuously kind of love. So that is a pretty goddamn interesting little twist to throw into the show. And I like it, because it is just out of left field and was not expecting that at all. Uh, the missus, who I mentioned I watched Dexter with, is disgusted by this. See, now, disgusted, yeah, that's, that, that's definitely emotion you can have by this, but on the one hand, it does make it more interesting. There's, there's no sort of denying that, I, I don't think. Once the romantic interest was away from Detective Mike Anderson, he was fair game to be murdered, which he was. The murderer was a Ukrainian mafioso type, and Dexter, through his, even better than Deborah's detective work, found out who it was and killed him. Now, did he leave a trail behind? Perhaps, and I think that is where this is going, because in the next episode, the sort of head of this Ukrainian mafia organization comes to Miami and starts poking around where his... Was it his son? I never really picked up on that. Just just a, another Ukrainian mafia member, and they look after their own or some sort of relation. Something like that. He's in town and not too happy. Uh, another sort of very, very interesting... I think you could call it side story, I guess, is the fact that... Lewis, who is a sort of, at least we assumed in last season, this just kind of nerd guy who's uh, working with the cops as part of his teachings, is fucking with Dexter. And I mean pretty electronically, hacker-like fucking with Dexter. Dexter has learned this fact and has sort of come at him, broken into his house, threw him around a little bit. Louis, Louis or Lewis, if you prefer, uh, seemed to be shitting bricks and vowed never to come near Dexter again and never have any contact with him or any of his friends and family. However, uh, I can't remember if it was at the end of the first episode or end of the second episode, but he was just there again. Oh yeah, it was the end of the first. He was just there, hanging around, acting like nothing is normal, fucking with him. Uh, in the sort of annals of people you do not want to fuck with, I would probably put Dexter pretty high on that list. So, uh, this guy does not know who he's messing with. That being said, because of this Lewis's hacker type abilities, Dexter found evidence that he ruined this other guy's life and had him sent to prison just using his computer. So, uh, kind of cool little side thing on the go there. That actually brings up something that happened in the second episode, and that is that Dexter has been forced to move in with Deborah for the reason that uh, Deborah believes serial killing is like a drug addiction. He is addicted to it, and perhaps he can get over it. Uh, is there logic to that at all? I suppose, maybe, possibly. Anyways, that's her plan. And so far, I would say the results are not negative. So that's something. 
For example, he kidnapped Dexter, that is, kidnapped Lewis, and was going to potentially kill him. Had him all trussed up in his trunk, and before he did the dirty deed, decided to call Deborah and say, uh, I'm in trouble, I want to kill this person, I need your help. Deborah rushes out. Dexter is very upset over the fact that he didn't, that he thought of killing this person, but Deborah was impressed that he had the restraint to stop. Where I think potentially this might go is that this is a fix that Dexter needs, like a drug. Hey, there you go. Uh, I think potentially the longer he goes without killing someone, the more sort of outwardly crazy and violent he will he will become to others, even those close to him. So I think, and kind of hope, that we will see his slow descent into madness over the course of this season, with potentially Deborah realizing that there's nothing she can do to curb these urges indefinitely and decides that, well, if you're going to kill people, I might as well help you not get caught. And then from season eight and nine, she sort of in cahoots with him. That is my thought. Whether it happens is, uh, you know, we'll see. Let me just, before I get to work, touch briefly on some of the secondary characters that I'm always kind of like, mm, do we really care what their story is on the show? And that is a mean thing to say, and this podcast is not mean, as a rule, but uh, quite often their stories seem so sort of just blah compared to Dexter's storyline that it's like, why are these even here kind of thing. Which, uh, you know, take that with a grain of salt, I guess. Quinn and Batista, after a falling out of last season, are starting to make amends. So uh, I actually kind of like that because they're, it's kind of a buddy cop, a little bit of the comedies in with these two, which I, uh, I enjoy. A little, little back and forth, if you will. And uh, something else that has quite a bit of potential is that um, La Guerta, who the missus and I always make fun of La Guerta, for her fashion sense, <laughs> say that she never miss- misses a J.C. Penny sale. I uh, I assume that the creators of the show have dressed her, and she has not chosen clothing such as this because it's pretty, pretty, pretty not pretty. <laughs> Another thing we make fun of is Batista and uh, the way he talks, which is a little kind of Barbara Waltersy, I think. Just um. Let me give you our sort of example that we use. Oh no, it's Anton Boyks. It's been a wobbly. We got plenty of suspects, but uh, pretty sure it's Anton Boyks who's done it. <laughs> Such as that. So, anyways, what was I saying? Laguerta at this burnt down church found one of those blood slides I mentioned earlier. So, she does not know 100% that. This is Dexter involved with this. However, what she can now surmise is that, and this is going back to, I think it was season one or two, or three, or four. Anyways, going back some seasons, one of the cops who was a friend of hers was blamed for a series of murders, murders that Dexter actually committed. One of the evidences pointing towards this cop was a box full of blood slides uh, in his car. So, the fact that at this scene of murder is a blood slide 
has led La Guerta to believe that um, this cop did not, in fact, commit all of these murders, and that the murderer is still at large. So, uh, that could potentially be some shitty news. Uh, okay, let me throw out my prediction on that front. And that is, La Guerta is a bitch. <laughs> the missus and I, quite often, will just both go, Fuck! Fucking bitch! We do not like her. Most people on the show do not like her. I don't mean in real life. I mean, she's just a bitch on the show. Fuck. And J.C. Penny doesn't help. So, they've sort of built up this hatred on the show of this woman, which means, I think, potentially, that Dexter may have to kill her. Yeah, may kill Lieutenant LaGuerta because she knows too much. Or maybe even, ooh, ooh, how about this for prediction? Uh, Deborah, who really doesn't like her very much at all, in order to protect her brother, kills LaGuerta. Oh, man. I like that thought. Because they hate each other. Hate. Alright, folks, I'm at work. Uh, I will be back with one more show. Why don't I tease it, although that makes very little sense, on a show I'm going to talk about in seconds to you, in hours to me. And that is Modern Family. Yeah. Modern Family season, I think it's like five, man. Jeez. Those, that, that thing's flying along. Episode one, season premiere, we'll call it. I will be back in eight hours. That will leave one final thing to say, which is, of course, oh my god. Love you, dearies. I'm a fool to do your dirty working, working, working. And we're back. We are back. We are back! We are back! We are back! Back! We are back! Back in action! Hello again! Eight hours of work completed on a Tuesday! Hmm. A little, as I very infrequently do, give you a little behind-the-scenes action that today and tomorrow have a visit from the Canadian government uh, letting us know what we are doing right or wrong. So, you know, that's something that happens. Let's, rather than dwell on the Canadian government, jump right back in to Television Tuesday. My plan is, because I just have one more item and it's one episode, uh, probably not going to take a huge, huge, huge amount of time, just for the reason that, uh, you know, why... Why draw it out when you don't have to? Am I right? Yeah. Uh, I think I actually teased this pre-break. Uh, Modern Family. Season... Oh, shoot. I meant to write it down because it was a lot more farther season than I thought it was. I think, and I may be r way off here, I think that I thought... Huh? Huh? Uh, burp? I think that I thought this was only season three, but uh, I'm pretty sure that the potential exists that it's actually season five. So time flies when you're having fun, and that's just goddamn well what you're going to do if you watch this show. It is one of very, very few shows that are currently on the air that I watch on a weekly basis. On that note, this and Parks and Recreation 
can both be found here in Canada on the City TV channel website. So thank you very much for doing that because I don't really have patience to search things out, nor am I quite often conscious when a number of the shows that I like are on the actual factual cable TV providers. Uh, another problem would be that although in the house that I live we do have a cable TV box, it is, I don't consider it mine, it's more the missus's, because I would never force her to do as I have done and get rid of my cable box, because she uh, likes it and, you know, she gets what she wants. That's just how I roll. I'm a modern sort of family guy. Huh? This episode starts off with Phil Dunphy is super, super busy, which uh, it's kind of interesting just because he kind of seems to go back and forth between in his career as a realtor being super slow, and I often think that they'll have episodes where it's like uh, they're not making enough money and maybe they'll have to sell the house or something along those lines. Something along that storyline. And then this one, where he's crazy, crazy busy. The reason being, he has figured out... Uh, I don't want to say manipulate, because I don't think that is in the character of Phil Dunphy to manipulate someone. But it could be perceived as that. Manipulate single moms. Uh, the reason I don't think that is in his personality, I think he's doing it for the reason that, quite simply... Uh, he feels for these single moms and wants to get them the best deal they can get and will go above and beyond what a normal, in-real-life realtor would by, you know, spending time with them, uh, gabbing with them. A lot of gabbing going on. I don't. I think he likes a good gab um, and is not afraid to use his gift of gab with these single mothers to perhaps maybe swing them towards houses that he is selling. Okay, that's not wrong. I think it's just combining his love of Gab with his need to feed his family. How about how about that? Something about modern family that quite often, if not always happens, will be it will be broken up into individual stories happening at the same times, which I think has something to do with the popularity of the show. That if for some strange reason you're not liking the storyline of one of the family members at any given moment, you know that within moments we'll catch up with somebody else. So a uh, pretty, pretty smart way of doing it, and I can't imagine an easy way of going about doing it, because as a writer, you'll have to sort of know where everyone is at any given moment quite often. For example, well, Phil was busy with these single moms... Uh, Jay and Gloria were talking about the possibility that their newborn baby, which was kind of how, I think, if I do recall, last season left off, their newborn baby may, or may not, we don't know, may be cursed. Cursed with evil. Cursed with being evil, perhaps I should specify. <laughs> Gloria part points out that within her Colombian, oh, that wasn't, that wasn't the worst impression, of her, Colombian, uh, it may be the worst. No, no, it's it's not the worst, and it's not the best. Colombian. <laughs> Sofia Vergara, whose name I always screw up on purpose, because if I attempt to do it 
uh, non-sillily, then I usually screw it up regardless, so I always screw it up on purpose. <laughs> yes, there's that explained. She is, once again, smoking, smoking hot. Yeah, oozing sex appeal, this woman, and my god, just, that's all I'm going to say. My god. She is Colombian, and um, part of that, I guess, comes with a religious, possible, cursed baby thoughts. She brings in a priest, you know, as you do. <laughs> to be fair to her, the uh, the baby sort of inexplicably at one point grabs the, uh, the cross hanging from the priest's neck and sort of gives it a little tug. <laughs> the priest is about to leave, says, oh, where's my wallet? The baby has the wallet. So... I, I, I'm guessing that her mind has not been put at ease with regards to the fact that her baby may or may not be cursed with evilness. A dark side, if you will. Luke, who is Phil's son, has got a little uh, basement poker game on the go, which I'm trying to think what age he is. He's like in high school or about to graduate high school. I can't really remember when... Uh, I got into poker, have since, for the most part, gotten out of being into poker, but uh, there was a time in my life where I played just about every single weekend and had some sort of marathon poker playing sessions of just sort of as much as 12 hours, just non-stop, drinking, smoking, playing poker. And those were fun nights. Those were fun nights. Uh, I can say, and I I guess it's kind of sort of, kind of, sort of happy to say that I do believe if I were to take all the money I won in poker and all the money I lost in poker, I would be pretty close to breaking even. So the way I look at that is that I have all these hundreds of hours with friends boozing and drinking and shooting the shit. That cost me nothing. Nor did I gain anything, but they cost me nothing. This poker game sort of side story involved... Uh, Haley getting involved, uh, involved, Haley getting involved and playing with the boys in the attempt to take all their money, as you do. I will just, because I am running out of time, I did not want to draw this out, as I mentioned. I will just say, shit may or may not have gone according to plan with regards to the playing of poker. Mm hmm Interesting. Lastly, I do believe, lastly, Jay and Manny went to see movies, and their sort of story between the two of them is the idea that, is it A, healthy to release your anger willy-nilly whenever it hits you, or B, bottle it up and try to forgive and forget at all times? Uh, I don't know, you just gotta, uh, I'm gonna go under the assumption that doing one thing 100% of the time is never good. So uh, probably mixing it up a little bit is, is good. Occasionally freak out and murder people. Occasionally uh, just let it slide. Yeah. This episode ended where uh, Phil... <laughs> it's sort of... It, it was funny because it was sort of a classic sitcom maneuver where he'd been out with all these single mothers showing them houses sort of running errands with them, gabbing away, and then he's in a supermarket, and all, apparently three of them, just sort of 
spur of the moment, not planned, um, meet up with one another, and it kind of starts to explode in his face as if, in your sort of classic sitcom style, it's a dude sort of dating two women at the same time, where for some reason the date always had to happen at the same night, and he had to wear different clothes or something so the dates wouldn't know. I, I don't know. Classic sitcoms, there's a reason that we don't know most of them, because they were like that, that I just described. This was good in that Claire, who plays, who plays, who is Phil's wife, sort of came upon this scene erupting around Phil, and despite the fact that she was pissed off that he's spending all his time with these girls and giving a lot of attention towards them, as you would be, being, you know, a wife, she doesn't want to see him get crucified, and I guess also, uh, perhaps reason B, doesn't want him to lose all these sales. She steps in and sort of smooths everything over, smooths everything over with, like, oh, isn't Phil the greatest? He really helped me through a tough time after I got divorced from my husband, blah, 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 bling, bling, bling. They all live relatively happily ever after the end. The end of that, the end of this episode of the Lackadaisical Lip Rope Kibberkerless Podcast. Folks, I had fun as I do, this is uh, sort of turned into my, uh, as I like to think about it, my free therapy sessions, is what this is, a little bit. The fact that you can listen to them will perhaps be free therapy for you. Uh, that doesn't make really any sense, I don't think. But I said it nonetheless. Making sense is not always a xylophone tuxedo. Xylophone Tuxedo may or may not be the title of this episode. Folks, that will leave one final thing to say, which is, of course, that it is nice to be nice to the nice. Thank you for listening. We here in the Liberal Cube would love to hear from you. If for any reason you would like to contact us, you can do so via the email address. Mailwood.jordan at gmail.com And now I have a theory. I've got a theory that it's a demon, a dancing demon. Something isn't right there. I've got a theory. The best is yet to come and babe, won't it be fine? You think you've seen the sun, but you ain't seen it shine. Wait till the warm-up's underway Wait till our lips have met Wait till you see that sunshine day You ain't seen nothing yet The best is yet to come and be Won't it be fine? The best is yet to come, come the day you're mine Live long and prosper.